Welcome back to Bush School in Cork. This is your host, Justin Bullock. As we've been saying in the podcast, we have had plans to make a number of episodes on asylum seeking in the U.S. and refugees that are uh, trying to come into the U.S. and trying to understand that as a policy question, as a human question, um, as a social science question, and get views from lots of different folks on what's going on at the uh, Texas and Mexico border in particular. This has been something that's been a lot in the news and has also been heavily politicized across our federal and state politicians. So uh, some of those of us at Bush School Uncorked wanted to take some time to delve into this issue a little bit more to see what was going on. So this series is going to be probably between about three and five episodes, depending exactly on how many people we end up chatting with. Uh, you're going to get... Oh, few numbers and big picture policy for me today. Um, we're going to be talking to some other experts from Texas A&M, a couple of folks who are affiliated with the Migration and Borders Lab, uh, that the Mossbacker Institute here at the Bush School is uh, getting up off the ground, and so some uh, great experts from across Texas A&M that we're going to talk with. We're also going to be sharing um, the experiences that I had along with our podcast producer and current Bush School student, Faith Dingus former student uh, Mary Lou Hare, and a couple of other folks that traveled with us down to the refugee camp in Matamoros a few weeks ago. So the layout of this series is going to be today, I'm going to be telling you a little bit about the series, um, give you some background on refugees and asylum seekers. Then we're going to share a couple of the experiences, uh, conversations about the experiences we had while being down in Brownsville and traveling over to Matamoros to help provide uh, some relief to the folks that are in those refugee camps as they're waiting for their asylum case to be heard in the U.S. court system. You get to see some responses to that. And then we'll talk with a couple of experts about what this process has looked like in the past. What are the more details of the legal aspect? Uh, what are some, what's some of the precedent throughout history? Um, and kind of giving you a full, a more full picture of what's going on with refugees at the Texas and Mexico border. So there's a lot of terms here. Um, we're going to be focusing mostly on asylum seekers as we're uh, our specific uh, group that we're going to be talking about. And these are in general people who have fled their uh, home country. Um, and in general, they do it for a number of reasons that can uh, allow them to qualify for asylum status in the U.S. And this is coming from the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services page on asylum. They say every year people come to the United States seeking protection because they have suffered persecution or fear that they will suffer, per suffer persecution due to one of the following characteristics. These are their race, their religion, their nationality, their membership in a particular social group, or their political opinion. The, webs uh, the page goes on to say if you're eligible for asylum, you may be permitted to remain in the United States. To apply for asylum, file a Form uh, I-589, Application for Asylum and for Withholding of Removal, within one year of your arrival to the United States. There's no fee to apply for asylum. So this is kind of the, the high-level picture of how the asylum process just most generally works. If you want to go find the information on it on the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Um, as you may have heard in the news, some of the actual uh, policies for this on the ground don't exactly uh, mirror this description. 
in particular at the beginning of 2019 the current uh, u.s administration proposed what they were calling the migrant protection protocol protocols which you can also find information about on the department of homeland security's website which is where this following information is from Secretary of uh, Homeland Security Nielsen had this to say when the migrant protection protocols were released on January 24th, 2019. Uh, the Secretary says, We have implemented an unprecedented action that will address the urgent humanitarian and security crisis at the southern border. This humanitarian approach will help to end the exploitation of our generous immigration laws. The migrant protection protocols represent a methodical common sense approach exercising long-standing statutory authority to help address the crisis at our southern border. So that's, that's kind of the unveiling quote, and keeping in mind what we just read um, from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services website, let me tell you a little bit about what Department of Homeland Security means when they say migrant protection protocols. This is also commonly referred to as the Remain in Mexico program. Again, from the Department of Homeland Security, they describe what are the Migrant Protection Protocols. The Migrant Protection Protocols, or MPP, are a U.S. government action whereby certain foreign individuals entering or seeking admission to the U.S. from Mexico, illegally or without proper documentation, may be returned to Mexico and wait outside of the U.S. for the duration of their immigration proceedings, where Mexico will provide them with all appropriate humanitarian protections for the duration of their stay for the duration of their stay. Um, we'll have links to both of these on the publishing of this episode that you can check out. Um, there's been some follow-up to this from human rights organizations, in particular Human Rights Watch, uh, in, um, in uh, studying with a couple of major universities, have found some challenges with Remain in uh, Mexico program, in part for the actual level of services that have been provided to the asylum seekers while they're waiting um, while they're waiting in Mexico to have their court time in the US but we we talk a little bit more of some details about what that process actually looks like in some of the following episodes so for now I, I want you to just have a general understanding that as US citizenship and immigration services define asylum the process for that can be if you've suffered persecution or fear that you might suffer per persecution from things like race religion nationality membership in a particular social group or political opinion and that uh, if you are eligible for asylum you may be permitted to re remain in the United States and um, within one year of your arrival to the United States okay so that's kind of the basic process and then the idea with MPP the migrant protection protocols also known as remain in Mexico was that asylum seekers would not be allowed to come into the U.S. as they wait for their course for their uh, hearing to be held uh, about their asylum case, whether they have credible fear of being persecuted for the reasons that we've mentioned. Okay, so there'll be more about that. That's kind of the high level piece of that policy. Then we talk a little bit more when our podcast producer Faith Dingus interviews me for the first episode of this that we'll have posted. Another thing that I wanted to give you as we get ready to bring you more. Um, episodes on asylum seeking in the U.S. and particularly at the Texas and Mexico border is uh, to give you a few basic historical numbers uh, that come from the Homeland Security Office of Immigration Statistics 
also which we can provide a link for in this episode. Um, this document does a nice job coming out of the Homeland Security's department to talk about the history of U.S. refugee resettlement, what it means to be eligible for a refugee uh, uh, to, to get that status, and the refugee application process. So just a, a little bit from that report um, and the history of U.S. refugee resettlement, um, again, just quoting directly from the Office of Immigration Statistics, uh, Office of Strategy, Policy, and Plans from the Homeland Security, says the United States has a long history of refugee resettlement. The Displaced Persons Act of 1948 was passed to address the migration crisis in Europe resulting from World War II, wherein millions of people had been forcibly displaced from their home countries and could not return. By 1952, the United States admitted over 400,000 displaced people under the Act. The United States extended its commitments to re refugee resettlement through legislation including the Refugee Relief Act of 1953 and the Fair Share Refugee Act of 1960. The United States also used the Attorney General's parole authority to bring large groups of persons into the country for humanitarian reasons, including over 38,000 Hungarian nationals beginning in 1956 and over a million Indochinese beginning in 1975. Obligations of the United States under the 1967 United Nations Protocol relating to the status of refugees to, uh, to which the United States acceded in 1968 generally prohibits the United States from returning a refugee to a country where his or her life or freedom would be threatened on account of a protected ground. And we mentioned the, uh, protect, some of the protected grounds. The Refugia Refugee Act of 1980 amended the uh, INA to bring U.S. law into greater accord with U.S. obligations under the protocol, which specifies a geographically and politically neutral refugee definition. The act also established formal refugee and asylum programs. The largest regional allocations in 2018, which is when the, uh, the year in which this report was released, uh, were to the Africa and Near East South Asia regions. These two regions together accounted for more than two-thirds of all refugee admissions to the United States. All right. Um, to qualify for a refugee status, just to kind of bring this back to you one more time, a principal applicant must be of special humanitarian concern to the United States, meet the refugee definition as set forth in the uh, INA, uh, be admissible under the INA, and not be firmly resettled in any foreign country. All right. And then there's a little bit here just to keep in mind on the refugee application process. The U.S. Refugee Administ uh, Admissions Program establishes processing priorities that identify individuals and groups who are of special humanitarian concern to the United States and who are eligible for refugee resettlement consideration. The priority, priority categories are priority one, individuals referred by the United Nations High Commission on Refugees, a U.S. Embassy, or certain NGOs. Priority two, groups of special humanitarian concern, and priority three, family reunification uh, cases. So with those things in mind, I want to give you a little bit of an idea about how these numbers have looked in the in the recent, uh, most recent kind of several years, which again is shown in this Department of Homeland Security report. Um, and uh, let's see here, what should be good to highlight? So um, refugee arrivals by country, um, we won't break it in by country, but we'll give you kind of the total amounts going back to, to a couple of years. So the refugee arrivals total amounts uh, into the U.S. Are two, uh, in 2016 was 84,988, in 2017 was 53,691, and in 2018 that number was 22,405. 
So you can see that there's about a quarter, uh, three quarters fewer, 75% less of refugees uh, admitted between 2016 down to 2018. Another piece of this uh, that kind of gives you some broad ideas about the trends of asylum seekers. So and with seeking as, uh, asylum, there are affirmative cases and defensive cases. Affirmative cases, uh, essentially, again, we'll talk more about this, are people who show up into the U.S. and declare that they'd like asylum, whereas the defensive cases are protection against being sent back uh, to, a, to a home country where they do not feel safe. So in 2016, there were 115,000, uh, approximately 115,000 affirmative asylum cases filed. Um, in 2017, that was 139, and in 2018, that was 105,000. Defensive cases across the same years was 81,000 in 2016, 142,000, almost 143,000 in 2017, and 159,000 in 2018. So you can see from 2016, 2017, and 2018, a three-quarters drop in the number of, of refugees uh, admitted into the U.S. You can see um, about a steady number of asylum seekers declaring affirmative asylum cases, and you can see defensive claims rising from 81,000 in 2016 to almost double in 2018. With specifically uh, having asylum granted, um, individuals granted asylum either affirmatively or defensively across the same time span from 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, in 2016, that number was 20,000. Uh, in 2017, that number was 26,000. And in 2018, that number was 38,000 with a increase there of about 10 percent. So one of the things that these uh, numbers highlight is there are some trends that you will be exploring together from 2016 all the way up through 2018. We'll also maybe get a little bit more information on more historical trends and what are some of the general precedent for in particular um, asylum seekers but also refugees. Um, and their relationship with U.S. policy, what that's played out in, like in Texas. So this is just meant to give you a little bit of an overview of some of the policy pieces to be thinking about in terms of refugees and asylum seekers uh, in U.S. And as we're going to be focusing again on the Texas case, given we're at Texas A&M, and uh, we've been able to uh, see some of the things on the ground, which will be what we take you to next is responses to some of the things we've seen in uh, in an encampment in Matamoros as uh, those who are hoping to get asylum in the U.S. are waiting on their cases to be heard um, while living in a, a, a tent um, encampment just across the border and just across the fence from the tent court, as it's known, where those cases are being heard. All right. Well, I hope you uh, follow us for these episodes. This is a a little bit of a different series. It's not just going to be interviewing academic experts. It's going to have some of that. It's going to have some kind of giving you information like we've done today. There's also going to be just a piece of human experience from people on the ground, uh, people uh, like us and some others who've actually uh, gone to the uh, refugee camps to see uh, what, what life is like there and see what's going on there. And also from some people within these communities that might give us some idea of uh, the grassroots 
what's going on within these communities. So we're trying to paint a broad picture for you um, in this series. Be a little bit different for us here at Bush School and Court. So we hope you enjoy it. And thank you for listening to this intro to what's coming. We wanted to give you a heads up. So looking forward to the continued conversations at Downtown Uncorked that we have coming up and for this mini-series where we'll be uh, bringing to a few episodes on the specific topic of refugees and asylum seekers in, uh, as they try to seek entrance into the U.S., what the policy is, what are the impacts. Thanks for listening.